Hello again, everybody. I am uh, continuing on our series uh, called Hope is Alive uh, that we started a few weeks ago, and we're uh, retelling really the Christmas story from the various characters that were involved, uh, focused on a central theme of hope. And uh, as we were preparing for this series and as we were looking at Christmas, I think one of the things in our seasons right now that we're seeing in our culture and in our communities and in our homes is the need uh, for hope, the sense that uh, God is still working and there's still hope for me. There's still hope for us. Uh, there's still hope uh, of seeing him work you know, in our uh, cities and in our state and in, in our country and, and world. And I think hope is one of the most important uh, themes of Christmas. Uh, but in the middle of all the busyness and in what happens in life, uh, it's easy to forget hope. Uh, it's easy to actually uh, be going through the motions of things. And so our, our goal is how can we relook and take another look at the Christmas story? Uh, and so today we're going to talk a little bit about the wise men. But uh, before um, I do that, I actually want to introduce uh, some new members that we have uh, here at Ridgeview. And so uh, Thomas and Jennifer Wilson and Claire and Gwen, uh, they have decided to formally join uh, our team here at Ridgeview. And a commitment uh, by membership to a church means that, that I want to do all I can to help the, the church move forward. Uh, it means that I, I'm committed uh, to serving. I want to give and contribute. I want to use the resources God's given me to advance the mission here uh, in this place. And so I just wanted to recognize uh, the Wilsons and the McCulloughs. And Thomas and Jennifer, are you in here or did you leave to take? Oh, you guys are here. Why don't you guys stand? And uh, Claire and Gwen, they're in the back. You guys stand. Let's give them a hand. I, um, I appreciate uh, the four of you and your families and the commitment that you have made to join uh, here at Ridgeview. And so we really look forward to seeing how God uh, continues to use you uh, a part of the team here. And I, I want to do one more introduction before I start. Um, last week at our um, men's ugly sweater breakfast, I posted something about it and I, I said ugly men uh, when I... And somebody said, do you... You have to be ugly to go, and I thought, well, you know, it's very interesting where you place the words. So it's actually an ugly sweater, men's breakfast, not ugly men. Uh, but anyways, that's neither here nor there. Um, we talked about honor and the importance of, of honoring uh, people, and so I wanted to honor my parents who are here. And so uh, Tim and Rosemary Janzik, if you guys can stand. If, if you've never met them, I encourage you. Uh, to meet them um, after church. And that's all I'm going to say, because if I say much more, we all know what's going to happen. I'm going to start crying. And we don't have time for that today. So uh, let's uh, continue. And today we're talking about uh, the wise men, uh, their role in the Christmas story. We talked about Mary and Joseph and uh, how you uh, can turn to God and find hope when things don't make sense. And when you look at their story and pregnancy and everything they had to do for the Messiah to be born, it didn't make a lot of sense. It didn't fit their picture or expectation. Last week, uh, we looked at the story from the shepherds and what do you do and find hope when you're fearful and you feel overwhelmed by what's happening around you. And today, through the wise men, what do we do? What do I do when I face opposition? That is opposition, the things that are within me that are causing me to, to not make progress and then opposition in our culture and world where it feels like uh, they're going against the things that, that are right and stand for what's right, and it can feel overwhelming. 
And then also, what do we do with a spiritual enemy who also wants to oppose us, who wants to stop our our progress? Uh, But as we dig into the scriptures, uh, I just wanted to remind you of the role of the Bible. Uh, It is really to lead us and to guide us. It is the truth of God's word. It's been revealed. If God didn't reveal his word, we wouldn't know it. It has to be revealed. And the idea of this hope and and light, it's because God has given it to us. It's a great gift. But in Romans 15, it says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. So one of our roles, if you're a follower of Christ, and even if you are investigating what it means to follow Jesus, one of the things you need to do is, as Scripture is read and as you hear Scripture, you need to lean in. You need to ask God to give you ears to hear and eyes to see. Because what the Scriptures are saying is there is things that are instructed for us here and now. You may have heard it before, but there's still a sense of like, God, can you give me a sense of the endurance I need and the encouragement I need to keep following after you? And if you've never heard what God's word says and it's new, there's a sense of like, God, help me to see reality like I've never seen it. And Romans 15 uh, reminds us uh, of that. And so I just want to talk a little bit about how opposition um, can kind of be in our lives, something that that we can experience. Uh, Some questions that I thought for myself just related to opposition within me is, how do I move forward in hope despite my sin and failings? Have you ever felt that, where you can't get past your past, and you're overwhelmed by things that you've done? And even at Christmas, everything seems so hopeful, but those dark clouds can still be overhead, and we can face a lot of opposition within us, and we can beat ourselves up more than anyone can beat ourselves up. So how do we move past the opposition within us? And then, uh, how do we move forward in hope despite what the culture says? Uh, When they... Go against the things of God. I don't know if you've read much news, but the news is not a place where you're like, let's find out what's important to God. Let's read the news. Let's watch it. Let's go on social media and find out what's important on the heart of God. No, it's actually usually a cesspool of everything opposite. If you want to know where the culture is heading, you, you turn into the news and media. And have you ever felt like, It's so upside down. People are saying this is right and it's wrong. And they're saying that what's wrong is right. Have you ever felt that? That's opposition. That's opposition in in our culture. And then if you're a Christ follower, you may have heard of uh, the enemy before, uh, the devil, Satan. But you may have come to a place where you think like, man, there, there seems like there's more going on in some struggles that are I'm experiencing. There, There seems like there's more going on in some struggles in my family There seems like sometimes I'm trying to push forward and it literally feels like I have a hand that's pushing me backwards. And that's opposition that that we can experience even in the the spiritual realm. So whether it's within us or whether we see it around us or whether we wonder like, is there something going on even beyond I can see? Opposition is real. And when you dig into the scriptures like Romans says, you see that opposition is also a theme that you find again and again from the Old Testament to the New Testament. People moving forward in faith, and they keep getting off track for a variety of reasons. People moving forward in faith to try to claim the promises of God, but so much stacks up against them. You see it 
in all the stories of ancient Israel moving forward to claim the promised land and the promises of God. You see it in the Christmas story. And you see it in the early church as they're building Christianity and you see it here and now. It's consistent. If you want to follow God and his ways, you will face opposition. Part of where we have this parent-child dedication is actually because of that. If parenting was easy and there was no opposition, then you actually don't need God's help. But actually, it is, it's a battle. And we need God to come through. So the Christmas story is filled with accounts of all sorts of opposition. And what I want to encourage you to do is it's easy in our own minds, if you grew up and you've been at malls or you've been at churches, we all have a sense of like the nativity story. And we've maybe seen the little characters and little figurines in our houses, in our yards. We've maybe seen reenactments. I told you guys how I was a shepherd and you know, you just put a towel on your head and you're good. Easiest costume ever. Towel up and you're golden. So you may have done that like I did. It was like, I'm just a character, but but there's actually something going beyond. There, there's actually this spiritual realm where the light of the world, the Messiah himself, the chosen one was coming, and there was all sorts of things going on to prevent that from happening. There was all sorts of people that didn't want to see that happen, and an enemy that wanted nothing less than to squash the movement, what Jesus would do. But if you've not yet discovered this, no one can stop the purposes of God. Nobody can squash God's plans. The Christian movement will not stop. The gates of hell will not come against it. So when we talk about opposition, this is not to put fear in you, but it's really a call that we band together, we do battle with the Lord Jesus moving us forward. In light of that, let's read the story of the wise men. It's in Matthew 2. I'm going to read just a bunch of verses and then talk about it uh, briefly. So Matthew chapter 2 says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose. Could you go back there just a second? Verse 2, thanks. I'll read it. I got it right here. For, do you have it yet? Nope. All right. I can't find it. That's my problem. There. Anytime you talk about opposition, just saying, no joke. I prayed for my printer this morning. In the name of Jesus, you will still print. And it turned back on. Don't count on that. I'm just going to share it. All right. Saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And the story goes on, verse 3. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Very interesting. They were troubled. They were not rejoicing. The opposition is starting. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, the religious leaders, opposition. He inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. 
Just keep going. Yep. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. So very interesting. The story goes on. Verse 9. It says, after listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. So again, Christmas story, supernatural story. Sometimes we think like, well, it's great. Like there's a star, and we have stars on top of our trees, which represent that. But think about this star that is literally leading people from an eastern country to know exactly where they should go. There's no Google Maps There's no Garmin on their camels. They're literally, God, we're going where you lead us. And God is arranging the universe for that to happen. Think about that. It's wild. Verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And verse 11, after going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod. They departed to their own country by another way. So part of what I want to do today is I want to just set up a part of this story through the lens of the opposition that the wise men were facing. We often think they traveled and they look royal and they present these gifts and that's the nature of the story. But if you look at it from what they were actually being set up against and what they were facing, they actually chose great faith that we can actually follow their example today. So as I share things today, um, this is a little bit different. You can't talk about opposition and the spiritual realm and the battle that we're in in one service, and it's like, okay, great, we're ready. No, instead, um, I want to encourage you, and I want to just get this like off the top, a next step. I'm going to talk about the enemies that we have to fight against, but I encourage you this next week, there's an extra handout in your program that talk about those enemies and have the scripture on them, I want to encourage you, spend some time reading God's word related to those things. The best thing that you can do is to get God's word into your life, into your heart, into your mind, and ask him to speak to you. Because if he speaks to you through his word, it will be greater than what any preacher, pastor, anyone else will ever tell you. Because if God speaks to you, you now have an experience. And if you have an experience with God, nothing will stop you. So if you are committed to doing that, I think it will be a great encouragement to you. I'll get to that in a moment. So here's some things that we can learn. First, life is a battle, and we have to fight in faith despite opposition. This is how it is. I remember I went through a season in my life where I just wanted life to be peaceful and good and fun all the time. That's what I call college. College was amazing. You get hungry and you want to eat at 11 p.m., you do it. You want to skip a class, you do it. You want bad grades, keep doing that and you'll do that as well. You students, don't do what I'm saying, okay? But, but you know, in college, there's a sense of like uh, life is just fun and then it's preparing you what? For adulthood, Then you leave college, you get a job, and you're like, where's the fun? I paid money to get to here, and it seems terrible. But the reality of life is you can't stay in a simple life where it's naive. 
You can't stay where it's all fun. Life is hard. Life is real. And there is pain. And there are battles. And there are obstacles. The key is to not run from those things. The key is, in view of God, how do I walk in faith despite opposition? And this was actually what happened with uh, the wise men. The journey itself, uh, different scholars from where they think they came from, from maybe like Persia, that area, it could have been 800 to 900 miles to as many as 1,600 miles that they traveled because of the promise that they knew the Messiah was coming. So imagine that journey, cold, dirty, uncomfortable, painful. I'm sure at different parts of the journey, unsure if they were going to make it, unsure if they wanted to keep going. Many think that it could have taken 50 to 60 days uh, if they didn't stop to three to four months of a journey. They saw the goal, but yet it would take four months for them to get there. Think about the opposition just from what they were facing. And then when they got to Jerusalem where they thought, well, if there's going to be any place, it's going to be Jerusalem, right? Because that's where the king would be. Like, Show us the, the royal king who's been born. And then they encounter Herod for the first time. And just a reminder, it says, then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. So the opposition is now at work. I want to just tell you something. Anytime you encounter people and they want to pull you aside, and like, let's talk about this, and it's secret, and it's under the table, and they don't want other people to know, that should be a clue. The opposition is on. There's something going on here. This is not all out front. And that's what, what Herod was doing. And he sent them to Bethlehem. And he said, go and search diligently for the child. And for when you have found them, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. So at this point, they encountered the king who had authority but was evil in every way. And they were being set up. They were being lied to. Could you imagine? Think about the journey and all that you have encountered and how exhausted you are and you think you get to the place. Then you realize like, okay, we, we still have to travel further because of the prophecy. We have to get to, to Bethlehem. And you still have to travel further. And not only that, you now have somebody who's literally working against you behind the scenes, who's setting you up to be a part of the greatest evil that ever existed, to take the life of the one who was born. Which is interesting, if you fast forward, that still was going on for all of Jesus' life. And they did take his life. But he also gave it freely. So even in the Christmas story, you see what God is doing behind the scenes in the cosmic universe. And, it, and it's amazing. But the wise men, they moved forward. They moved forward not because of what King Herod said. They moved forward because they knew God's commands and they were going to follow what he had said. They weren't detoured, discouraged, or set back by King Herod. They knew no matter what he says or what he does, we're going to move forward. And they went, and they found baby Jesus, and, and they worshiped him. So back to this opposition. When you decide to follow Christ, you now, what the Scripture says, you've come out of darkness, and you are now in the light. What it also means, like in the darkness, just like you are in a dungeon, and just like you are chained, uh, you're not set free. When you decide to follow Jesus and you give him your whole life, 
you surrender, you're now free. The shackles are broken. You live by the power of God, by his grace, and you move forward. But what that means is you're now out of the light and you're free, and you now have a target on you. And what the enemy wants to do is take you back into the darkness and to discourage you and shackle you back. But the people of God cannot be shackled because we did not save ourselves. We were saved by Jesus. And his grace can't be put back into the darkness. So when you decide to follow Christ, uh, sometimes it can seem like this kind of a boat. You ever been uh, on one of these? That's a Disney cruise ship. I have done one of these. And I will say, back to college, if life could be like a Disney cruise ship, one, I probably wouldn't be walking up here because I'd be eating so much. But two, it seems like it would be amazing. But life is not a cruise ship. Has anyone ever been on a cruise ship? Okay, you get on the boat, and then what happens? That was a terrible question. I don't know why I asked it. You get on the boat, but you got to get off the boat, people. (laughs) You got to get off. You can't stay. But oftentimes when we uh, come to church, even in settings like this, when we talk to different people, what they're saying is like, follow Jesus, and you're on this. You get whatever you want. It's like one big spiritual buffet. And it's amazing. And it's like, that's what I want to do. Sign me up. And then what you have is a bunch of people who are totally discouraged because what they realize is you're not on a cruise ship, you're on this. Does anybody know what that is? That's a battleship. When you decide to follow Jesus, just like the wise men, they were not going on this journey because of their health because it would be a vacation, because it would be enjoyable. They were committed to the journey because God had told them what had been promised. And in faith, they were going to move forward despite the opposition. So as a church, when we talk about teaming together, when we talk about reaching our community, when we talk about all that God wants to do, it's on this, not on a cruise ship. But the beautiful thing is, This is the reality whether you know it or not. But when you shift your perspective and realize, you know, this is a battleship that I'm on, and God is the admiral that is leading us forward. And he's given us the resources we need to fight. He's given us everything we need for the battle. When you discover that, your life actually changes. So that's the first. When I face opposition, I can do so in faith. My life is not a cruise ship. I'm on a battleship. And God is leading me forward. That's the example we can learn from the wise men. The second is this. When life is a battle, God is showing us how to win spiritual victories. Now, if you're facing things in your life that are very hard, it can be overwhelming and it can be discouraging, right? And you feel like you're all alone. And so we we face many battles from within, from others, from different situations and circumstances, and it can be very discouraging. I know there's many of you today who are facing this right now. You feel under it. You feel the weight of the battle. What God wants to do, because we're on a battleship, is not escape the battles, but give you victories in the middle of them. Because if you get a victory on a battleship, you now know God will continue to lead us forward and he will bring victory. And that's what rallies the troops, what God does. And this 
battle that we're on is, again, a battle against light and dark, like bringing the truth of Jesus to our world. And it's the greatest battle and adventure we could ever be on. And for the wise men, Matthew 2, it says, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Supernaturally, they had a dream, and right then they knew there was more going on than what had been told. They'd been lied to. They'd been tricked. There was some secrecy. There was this plans. There was all these religious leaders. There was King Herod himself. They were doing all that they can to use these wise men from a distant land for their own purposes. And they decided, no, we're going to move forward. God told us to move forward, and we're going to see what he does. And at just the right time, God gave them a sign. Think about, remember this idea of there's so much more going on? Think about all that God did to speak to Mary, to speak to Joseph, to speak to the shepherds. And now he speaks to the wise men, and he speaks to us today. Now, you may have a dream where God speaks to you. I encourage you, verify that with Scripture, because we can have all sorts of dreams, and some aren't good. But what God does, like in Romans 15, right, he gives us his word. So he continues to give us signs today. It's just we have to open it and read it. And we have to apply it and live by it. And so the story uh, continues in Matthew 2. And uh, in the following verses, we find that King Herod, he becomes so incensed and angry, livid, because the wise men did not do what he had asked. He's the king. Who are these foreigners to not do what I've asked? And he becomes so furious, he could not get to this baby. And he goes and he kills all of the first born males in Bethlehem. Think about the ruthlessness and the wise men were thrown in the middle of it and the Messiah was being hunted so he would be killed. And the scriptures in verse 15, uh, now Joseph gets a sign. Now, I think it's the the one before. I'll just read it. If you can go back to the previous slide, it says, Uh, Matthew 2, 15, and remained there until the death of Herod. Uh, This is Mary and Joseph. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son. So in the middle of this opposition and the hunt for the babies, Joseph was warned just like the wise men. You need to go to Egypt because all the firstborn males are being hunted and killed. And he went to Egypt and he took their family. And the journey continued with them. And even that, to see what God does on the, big scheme, on the big scheme of things, it's to fulfill his word. Out of where will he call his son? Out of Egypt. How would the Messiah get to Egypt? Because of King Herod. Why did King Herod do that? Because of the wise men. Why did the wise men go? Because of what they had seen in the scriptures, what was prophesied. So think about all that's at work for fulfillment of scripture that Jesus would end up in Egypt because of all the opposition that took place. And that's what we all need to realize. In the middle of these things, God is giving us spiritual victories. And there are things that we can't even understand that God is doing behind the scenes. We have no idea all that's happening. But God is leading us forward and he wants to give us victories as we stay the course, as we, like the wise men, we do not turn back. We move forward on the battleship that God has called us to. Uh, really quick, as I, as I close out, again, I'm going to just give you a big picture, and then I encourage you to do some study of your own. So I want to just walk through the three enemies that we all face. 
Uh, first, um, I'm going to skip that, that quote, but knowing your enemies help you, you battle effectively. Uh, we have three enemies. The first is the flesh, the tendency to sin that remains in us after conversion. You're still on a battleship, right? You're not on a cruise ship. What that means is your heart still has problems. You still have selfishness. You still have a stubborn determination to get what you want. That's the flesh. Have you ever said anything? And it came out of your mouth, and you literally saw the words float to somebody else, and you thought, why did I say that? Where did that come from? That came from you. It came from the flesh. It came from sin. And we, we still have it, and that's why we need God's help. We have to keep turning to him and asking him to, to change us through his word. Uh, the second, uh, the world, a system of beliefs and values that are contrary to God's values. I just want to say this a little bit to, to parents. Parents, be careful. The opposition that your kids face related to what they consume on media, their phones, what they watch, what they listen to, what they are hearing is literally a system of beliefs and values that go against the ways of God. And the more that they're inundated with that, the more that they think it's real. It's like a sponge that fills their hearts. And the world is constantly telling them who they are. The culture is constantly telling them whom they need to be what they need to look like, what they need to do, what they need to say. That's why billions are spent on marketing to your children. Billions are spent on cool being something that your kids want. And it starts at an early age. And so I want to encourage you, as a parent, your role is to help your kids fight. They cannot fight against the world by themselves. And they're seeing it at their schools, they're seeing it on the TV, they're seeing it on their phones. Anything that they're consuming, they're seeing. And we have to fight against it, and we have to help them. And then the third is uh, the devil. Satan, and invisible but real demonic spirits who impact us uh, in a div- individually, uh, and they can come against us as families, they can come against us as the church. The beginning of the creation story, uh, you see uh, Adam and Eve, their flesh, like they wanted to do exactly what God told them not to do. But there was more going on. There was a serpent, and the serpent was Satan. And he was there to tell them, like, wait, why would God limit you? Does he not care about you? Does he not want you to be all that you can be? And he was speaking lies to them. And they bought into the lies, and they sinned, just like we all would have. And our world is broken. But Satan is always in the middle of the brokenness. We don't talk about him a lot in the West, in America, but he's real. And he has legions of demons that that are real. And anytime there is lies and divisiveness and arguments and pain and suffering, he's, he's right there just waiting for an opportunity. As the darkness grows, he's in the shadows. The scriptures call him a liar. He's the father of lies. I want to briefly just show you how all of these three work together. This is an illustration that a a friend of mine uh, drew, and it's from a mentor called Harold Bullock, and you've got three things going on. Back to the the boat analogy. This probably should look more like a cruise ship because the world is saying, like, just enjoy the cruise. But the the world is going in a certain direction, and uh, it's pulling us along. That's us. The flesh, we're, we're just water skiing along where the world takes us. 
what's important, what's right, what's cool, what's good. And the world is just telling you, listen, just follow, just hold on and we'll take you. But what we don't know is that there's somebody that's steering the world and the person steering the world is the devil. The devil and the world work together because he is actually keeping the world under his rule to go against the things of God. So if you ever look at the culture and you think, why is it like it is and it can see so hopeless? It's because the devil is involved. And he's doing all sorts of things he can behind the scenes to lead the world off of a cliff to its destruction. And without thinking, we lead to the same one. So this is how it all works out. If you ever like, where did that come from? Well, it could have come from within you. It could have come from the worldly value systems that are leading you astray. And then ultimately, it could be the enemy who's influencing those things which are influencing you. All these things you know, are at work. Does this make sense? So just keep that, that picture in mind. We have to be very careful because, again, like sponges, our hearts, we pick up on the systems and the values of the world, and we go in that way before we even know it. And before we know it, we're different people because we bought into things that are not true. So what God wants to do through his word, through the battles we face, through opposition, he wants us to realize, I cannot just hang on for dear life as the world and the enemy leads me astray. I need God's help. And I need to live a different kind of life on a battleship that's going in a different direction. And to live the Christian life means I will no longer be a part of going where the world is saying to go. And I'm going to ask God for help to know the devil's scheme so I can work against what he wants to do in my life and against my family. This is why we need churches. Because we need spiritual warriors rallying together on the battleship to reach people and say, you don't have to hang on any longer to the ways of the world. You don't have to go the way of the enemy. There's a different life that God has for you. They cannot understand this unless somebody tells them. And that's why we're the church. They can be on a battleship and experience real victories like all those who've gone against us. So uh, I mentioned this, and I'm going to close out. I'm going to invite the band uh, to come up. What I want to do is uh, there's a, an extra handout. So open, open your program if you can. And um, there's a handout that just has how you deal with the three enemies. So I've, I've kind of opened a uh, little bit of the big picture. What does this mean? What does it look like? But then what does it mean for you to do? So how to fight with hope against the three enemies. I'm not going to actually go over these, but in that extra handout, um, I encourage you to do that this week. How you battle uh, the flesh, how you battle the world, and then how you battle the devil. So I want to encourage you to do this. Decide, I'm going to take some time to allow God to speak to me regarding these things. So can you do that? That's what I encourage you. Can you do that this week? Take some time to work through it. And so I want to uh, go over some, some next steps as the band comes up. Um, learn more of how to fight with hope uh, this week. Uh, check out the extra handout in your program. If, if you're needing tools, it starts with God's word. And then if you need help and you feel like you're in the battle, reach out to us. Find me after the service. I would love to pray for you. You're not in the battle by yourself. 
but God wants to speak to you and he wants to help you. That's the first next step. Uh, here at Ridgeview, we do step, next steps every week. That's our way of saying, okay, where are we, God? How do we take a next step forward? Um, on your connection card, uh, there's a green connection card in there. Uh, Joel's gonna mention that in a moment. Uh, fill that out. Let us know your next step and we, we will pray for you. So that's the first one. The, the second one is invite uh, somebody to the family Christmas service. Remember what I said is people are, are just living their life in the flesh where the world's leading them with the enemy steering the boat. Our role as a church is we need to invite people so they could actually see there's a different life for them. And that takes courage. Even that, we can feel opposition. We can feel nervous. But we do a family Christmas service next week. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to open up the, this wall. We're going to have everyone together. We're going to sing songs. We're going to be reminded of the hope that we have in Jesus. We do this because we want to invite people who need that hope. We want to come and be a part on the battleship that God's given us. We bring people on and they join us on the assignment God has. So I want to encourage you, who can you invite? And I encourage you to do that. You've got flyers. And then the last is just to pray uh, for our uh, Christmas service this next week. Um, As we prepare to invite our community, as you prepare to invite your community today, we're doing door hangers actually after the service. Thousands of door hangers we're inviting uh, all around. But we're going to face opposition. There's things that are going to go wrong. There's all sorts of problems. But if you could pray specifically that people that are invited, that God will soften their hearts, that they will want to come. If you could commit to that, I think we can see God work in a mighty way. So uh, take that connection card. Uh, We're going to receive our offering in a moment. Fill that out. If you're a guest with us, fill as much information as you feel comfortable sharing with us, and you can uh, fill that out right now. Let us know your next step. A prayer request, if you could put the connection card on there so people uh, could see it. And uh, we're going to receive our our offering in a moment. I just wanted to give you a brief update. Uh, We have received over, I think, $2,700 for our Christmas offering, Uh, 36% of our goal to reach $7,500 to support local and international ministries that are making a big difference. And so thank you for all of you who've given uh, above and beyond your gifts to Ridgeview to support uh, all of these ministries. And I look forward to seeing how God will continue to grow that offering in the coming weeks. And uh, thank you just for for all of you who are giving and being generous so we can continue uh, our assignment. Uh, If you're our guest, we have some guest gifts over here. I'll be over here as well. We'd love to meet you. And uh, thank you guys for for being here and uh, all the families and parents dedicating your children. Um, We are here for you, and we are committed for you as we move forward in the battle and the assignment God has for us. So let me pray, and then we're going to sing another song. Father, thank you for all that you have done for us. You lead us forward in the battle. You help us. You give us what we need. And I just pray that you will watch over us. You will protect us. You will lead us forward as we commit to fighting with your strength. In the name of Jesus, we pray.